addition to dog-eared, I have a show called Health Power. Now, I've been in health media for 24 years, radio, TV, and podcasts. And I really care about not just what I put in my body, but what I put on my body. So I am absolutely in love with One Earth Body Care. Now, I extend that to my pets. I'm very careful about what I feed them, and I'm very careful about what I put on them. So I was so excited to find out that One Earth Body Care also has pet shampoo bars, which are phenomenal. They're gentle with organic oatmeal to soothe skin. Their neutral pH matches your pet skin pH. Last 20 plus washes for large dogs and they're scented with pet-friendly essential oils. They also have a skin fix for pets, organic coconut, sunflower, and jojoba oils. It has calendula, which stimulates healing. It's great for hot spots, itchy patches, and their nose and paws. It's edible ingredients, safe to lick, and it's available with lavender, oil, or unscented. So I highly recommend you go to oneearthbodycare.com, click on pets, and get these for your pets. And while you're there, you can get wonderful things for your hair, your face, and body, and more. Again, oneearthbodycare.com. Once you have had a wonderful dog, a life without one is a life diminished. That's a quote by author Dean Coots, and I couldn't agree more. I want my wonderful dogs to live as long as possible, and what they eat plays a huge role in their health and longevity. Kibble is full of seed oils that wreak havoc on our dog's health. They damage their microbiome, which affects digestion, oral health, their skin and coat, and more. And that's why I feed my dog, Benji, Yum Woof. Their air-dried food is GMO-free and has an inflammation-reducing recipe with omega-3 and coconut oil. It's all the benefits of fresh food without the fridge, carbs, fillers, seed oils, and other inflammatory ingredients you see in other brands. Yum Woof obsessively crafted a healthy, low-carb food with humanely raised USDA meat, eggs, and other non-GMO superfoods that my dog loves. Try the number one air-dried dog food for gut health for 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. That's 50% off a trial of Yum Woof. Go to www.yumwoof.com. That's www.yumwoof.com. You and your dog will be so glad you did. Does your dog do? Well, joining us today to talk about his incredible dog is a fantastic Craig Grossi. We're talking about his book, Craig and Fred, a Marine, a stray dog, and how they rescued each other. Craig, does your dog do? Oh, man. he What does he do? Does your dog? Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things jumping around in my head, but I'm, I'm going to stick with something very dog-like about Fred. And uh, that is, does your dog herd you uh, <laughs> everywhere that he wants to go? Uh, <laughs> If you're home for a couple of days and you don't go somewhere, does your dog physically poke you with its nose to get you to the truck and then stare at his at his side of the truck where he usually sits <laughs> him in there and take him somewhere? Does your dog do that? <laughs> oh, my God. I absolutely love that. That is so great. And the second question that I ask, Craig, every guest is, when did your love of dogs begin? Oh, man. Uh probably the very first time I ever saw one, which I, I cause it's as, as long as I can remember. I love dogs. Like we had, I, I would make friends in, when I was a kid in elementary school, I would make friends based on it. You know, like, Oh, you have a Labrador. Can I come over and sleep? I would like invite myself. <laughs> and then I, would just, yeah. 
I would just hang out with the dog the whole time, and the poor, you know, poor kid would be like, what, what, "Why did I even invite you over? You just hang out with the dog." Um, you know, yeah, that that it, my infatuation and my connection with them started so early. It it uh, it just took a long long time for me to actually get my first dog, but it couldn't have happened in a in a crazier and more meaningful <laughs> way. <laughs> it's so true, and I can totally relate because my mom and everyone who's, who's listening, they know my mom was afraid of dogs. I couldn't get a dog; it's all I ever yeah. wanted. And so, yeah, I mean, luckily, both of my two best friends had dogs. And a lot of the times they'd be like, where'd Lisa go? Oh, she's outside with the dogs or she's on the couch with the dogs. Yeah, I would get annoyed with kids I knew because they would be like, oh, you know, the dogs like wants to come with us everywhere. And I'd be like, yeah, that's like, you know, (laughs) why not? I never understood that. Yeah, But I I do think um, as much of a hard time as I like to give my dad and, uh, you know, not letting me have a dog. I think he was, he was right because I was a busy kid. I had, you know, a lot, a lot going on with school and hockey and just like running out the door constantly. And we lived in like a busy, you know, suburb. It wasn't like we, we didn't have a fenced in yard, Mm. you know, like it would have, it would have been, um, you know, a little bit challenging and kind of unfair to a, to a dog. Um, So it's, you know, it's, it's all, it all worked out. I, I, I walked the neighbor's dogs. I, I just, I, I got a, I would go after school and I would go door to door and walk all the neighbor's dogs. And that was, that actually was really great because it was like, you know, I could spend some time with someone else's dog while their, you know, their, their owners were still at work after I got off the bus and, and then put them, you know, put them back in their house and give them a treat and, and go about my day. It was, it was actually it was pretty good. Yeah, that is really good. Speaking of really good. Well, your book's not just good. Your book is absolutely amazing. Now, Thank you. When it came out, and tell us the year. It came out in October of 2017. I always want to say 18, but it was so late. Yeah, it came out in October of 2017. Okay, so I was still doing a show that I created for NPR, uh, regional NPR in Texas, and you came on. It was it was part of a radio tour, and I got you for 10 minutes, and I was so enthralled. And all these years, I kept your book. And then with Dog Eared, you know, it's funny because I've been doing this show for around six months. And then one night I'm going to bed and I'm like, what the hell? What's wrong with you? You haven't, why haven't you reached out to Craig yet? I was like, oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you did. Yeah, those radio tours are, are uh, a trip. You don't get to dive in, though. So I'm so excited because I, I took a lot of notes, as I tend to do. Yeah. And I want to go deep. You start the book and you're on a road trip with your friend, Josh, and you've got Fred. This trip was really important. Talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, and I, it's it's um, as I've discovered, you know, recently, it's 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 uh, it's not unique to the military. Like we all go through times of transition like that. I think what makes veterans' struggles unique is is how um, how firm and solid the the for many of us the culture and the the mission, like the day to day life of somebody in the military is and. And I just felt so unprepared for what would it would be like to walk away from that, you know? And, and so that's, that's where I think the big, the big difference between, you know, what somebody goes through professionally when they, you know, go from job to job or graduate from school and try to figure out what's next, you know, when yeah. you're a veteran, you've been so immersed um, in a mission and in a job and in, on a team and, and you've always kind of understood what at least the next, you know, year looks like. Um, oh yeah. And you go in you go off, you know, without without see, feeling like you don't have any direction and you have to kind of find that for yourself and and that's that's what that trip was all about was 
about creating some familiar, some familiar kind of chaos, you know, that, that, you know, thrive in, uh, Josh and I, and, and, and a lot of veterans that I know, we, we kind of long for that, that, um, that kind of sense of urgency and like, Oh, you know, what are we going to do next? And it really matters, you know, if we, if we decide to go left or right or North or South, like it's, it's, you know, there's real life kind of implications. I think we were kind of missing that. And, um, and yeah, and just kind of figuring out who we were, uh, after, you know, after this chapter of our life that, you know, was, we, you know, we, we were proud of, um, but didn't want it to just be this thing that we would always, that would like, you know, always be who we were, you know, and we wanted to, to, to really, to really find ourselves again. Yeah. And it, it was such an incredible adventure you had. And before we jump into that, I wanted to, cause there's a lot of great stories. I'm just going to, you know, pick out a couple, yeah. but I love the way you went back and forth in the book. Okay. I thought that was really clever. You were, you know, one minute you're traveling, you're in the redwoods and then we're back in Afghanistan. And yeah. then it, it was, it, it made it really gripping. I didn't do that as I wrote. That was uh, something that we kind of decided to do when we spread the whole book out. I wrote it kind of, kind of chronologically, you know, like I, I, you know, it was Harper Collins and William Morrow is the imprint that, that I work with. And they were just incredible, especially given it was my first book, um, amount of freedom that they gave me, um, you know, to, to really, to really get creative and, and, uh, you know, it was, but it was very much kind of just this, like, what do you think? What do you, you know, just asking, asking lots of questions and getting lots, I had lots of help with, with Craig and Fred and, and I'm, I'm proud to, to say that, you know, I had a, a lot of guidance with, but like also a lot of freedom. So impressive. You know, you write in the book, quote, it was between Taliban attacks. I spotted him. I watched a goofy looking dog. He pranced nonchalantly in the dust. He seemed unaffected in the combat zone. What went through your head the first time you saw Fred. Oh, it was just dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was the nine-year-old in me that was just like, hey, dog, you know, like, <laughs> he was so funny, you know, he's just so different from everything yeah. around him. And it, it was like, it was just like this, watching a little cartoon character bebop around a, a little war zone, you know, it was just, it was so <laughs> crazy. And, and I, even just looking at him would, you know, just made you feel good. And, and um, you know, he, it was the middle of the day, which was so remarkable because most of the dogs, you know, over there when the sun's up and it's a hundred and, you know, umpteen degrees, they're, they're gone. They're in the shade. They're sleeping all day, you know, cause right. a lot of them are really big and, and they roam around in packs and they come out at night. And, and I think Fred figured out, you know, if I can kind of handle the heat and kind of move around during the day, you know, I won't have any competition for anything. And, and uh, wow. you know, so he, he was, he was kind of at, had a, uh, adapted, you know, because of his size, he wasn't going to be able to compete physically with any dogs. And he would always be, you know, get the last of whatever scraps they had found. And, um, and it was just, you know, just remarkable. And he was, he was young, but old enough to have become, you know, mean and, and kind of, uh, unapproachable. And that's what made, you know, his demeanor, you know, all the more remarkable is just how, how much of a dog there was in him still, you know, he was just searching for somebody that would see it. That is so beautiful. Thank you. The way you said that there was still a dog in him. And when I look at him, I see a lab Corgi mix with other things because he's got kind of a labbiness about him, but then he's got those little legs. Right. Yeah. So that's the number one 
question that uh, we get just just walking around. You know, Fred. Fred is, you know, yeah, he his he's physically short, but he walks tall. He walks like a show dog. And when when, we're, when we walk around, it doesn't matter where we are, people stop, you know, and and, and want to know, you know, what kind of dog he is. He just he has a way of just pulling people in with this tr- confident trot that he has, and this just the way he looks up at everybody. He like like. It's 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 remarkable, and I, I I never get tired of taking him for a walk anywhere and just seeing people's reactions. Or if they don't say anything to me, they'll, as they walk by, I'll hear them say to you know themselves or to whoever they're walking with, like that's a great, great looking dog. I wonder what kind of dog. He and and so we finally found uh, a company that um, that did that does the DNA that that you know for a long time I was hesitant about it because one I kind of liked the the mystery, you know, and, and like entertaining the people's assumptions. And, and, uh, and then too, that every time I would kind of look into it, the, the companies were basically kind of regional and, and I, I wasn't confident that they would have the data to really tell me what a dog from this part of the world, you know, genetic, genetically like what it is. And somebody, um, from puppy rescue mission, which is an incredible organization that, um, had they been, in Afghanistan, when I found Fred, the the story would actually have been a little less um, less dramatic because they they now have footholds all over the world. Um, oh, thank goodness! Groups get dogs home from overseas, and and they're an incredible nonprofit. And uh, but they hadn't really they hadn't um, didn't have any real um, foundation in Afghanistan in 2010 when I found Fred. And and so anyway, they 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 use this company called Embark, and it's a you know, this is an unpaid, um, you know, ad, but they, they're great. And they, they have, they've been partnering with people from different universities who since the early 2000s have been going around the world, cheek swabbing street dogs, um, you know, to try to genetically kind of map the, the history of dogs and where the first wild, you know, wolf or wild dog kind of crossed over to become a companion. And so, we got Fred's genetic makeup back and yeah, do you want me to tell you want me to tell you? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll start it off by saying he's not a Corgi, not part lab. He's not part, he's not part anything. He's 100% one type of dog. Really? Bonkers when you think about it. Cause no dog is a hundred percent one type of dog. Like that's just, that's not how genetics work. Like they're always, Right. You know, every breed of dog is like a, a, a hodgepodge of different breeds like that they put together to make that type of dog. And, and so he's one, he's, he's a purebred. He's like the purest breed. He's 100% uh, a West Asian village dog, which doesn't sound like much, but then you start looking into the, how they came up with that. And they found early human remains that they date back fifth that uh, geologists and or um, archaeologists date back fifteen thousand years, with like a companion, what was clearly a companion dog. Um, wow! And that that Fred has shares that dog's DNA, and it's it's absolutely crazy. So yeah, it's so much fun now to. That's to, so cool. Predates like, you know, all basically all breeds of dog, which is you know amazing, and it's just another kind of crazy chapter in Fred's Fred's story. We were blown away. I was not expecting that. I am so doing a deep dive. Say the name of the dog again. I want to, I want the breed. I mean, Um, West 
Asian village dog. Okay, I'm, I've got to look that up. I, I, I got to do. I might have to do a show about it. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, I can send you. I can send you Fred's. Um, Fred's. Uh, you know, like genetic kind of stuff. It's really fascinating to read about. I bet. Yeah, oh, that is so interesting. And another thing that I love is I love how Fred got his name. One of the guys said to you, "Looks like you made a friend." Yeah. And you write, "I heard Fred. It stuck." Because Fred is like such a funny, great name for a dog. Right. Yeah, I know. It's uh, yeah, it's and it's become you know that little misunderstanding has become more and more um, kind of poetic and 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 meaningful over the years because we've through Fred's social media, um, you know, we, we've connected with people all over the world and somebody. Uh, on Instagram wrote to us a couple years ago and said, Hey, it's really amazing that you named him Fred because they, they were in uh, Norway. And I guess in, in Norwegian, the word for peace and like serenity and calmness um, is Fred. Oh, wow. They say like freed or something like that, but it's F R E D. <laughs> and saying, I mean, that's, you know, that's so, it's so beautiful. And, and, um, you know, there's been other, other little significant things. Like I'm a big Fred Rogers fan, you know, and it's, and, uh, of recently, you know, I mean, I grew up watching, um, you know, the, the um, uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood and all that stuff, but it, I read his biography a couple years oh, ago. He's such an incredible man. Screw, you know, have a whole new appreciation for what he, what he was doing. And, um, yeah, so it's, you know, of course I have a little Fred here too, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's such a funny funny kind of misunderstanding that led to this uh this really beautiful meaning meaningful name it's really lovely you know another thing too was when you saw fred and he was just covered in these bugs yeah. and he let you and another guy pull him off and you write he was calm and when he was done he curled into your bed yeah. and that must have been such an amazing feeling yeah it was it was, it was like, and it, it, I get that feeling every time I watch him get into his little dog bed, you know, or anytime he's, we're somewhere, you know, and he makes himself comfortable, you know, like it, it, it's, it, um, it makes, it just makes me, my heart swell, you know, just to see that first time, you know, was, was, uh, you know, just a little piece of, of joy in a really uncertain you know, area and a violent, uh, time to be there. And, and, uh, you know, here's this little dog just, you know, so impervious to, to all of it, just making a little nest out of a sleeping bag. It was just, you know, it just, it brought all of us so much, so much peace to so just, to just do something nice for Fred, you know, it was make him a bed or, or give him a snack. It was just, it, it made us all feel human, you know, while we were doing something that's, that's inhuman, you know, uh, being yeah. Well, that's why I was so shocked that the military has this policy. If they find you have a dog, they put it down. And my immediate thought is, I don't, you know, you're out in combat, risking yeah. your life, getting shot at, things blowing up. Yeah. To go back to your place, I understand you don't want the dog going all over the place and barking and, you know, letting the enemy know where you are. But, but to go back to the, you know, to where you're staying, to me, for mental health reasons, yeah, that should, they should want you to have a comfort dog. Yeah. From what I heard from people in, in subsequent years after I, I left Afghanistan, I think they softened um, oh, those rules, so. at least in the Marines. I, I don't know about and – and I think it was a bigger problem on 
on like the big bases where you would have people feeding dogs and and then you'd end up with like, you know, um, some of these dogs are really big and and they would, you know, they could kind of stalk people at night and like, you know, try to get food from them or, you know, I don't know. It's, I hear you. It definitely didn't need to be a rule that was, that was followed to the letter. You know, I, I think, you know, it should, it's, it, it existed for a, a public health reason, but it could certainly be enforced circumstantially, you know, and, and, uh, right. uh, but yeah, but the, the, the reality was if I got caught with Fred, he was done. He, they were, he, they would have put him down, um, on the spot. And, and so that was, you know, that, that uh, as if, you know, I wasn't having enough, enough anxiety already. Right. The stress of that. And I have a master's in public health and I'm sorry, but I see mental health as part of public health and taking someone, taking the dog that is so comforting for you with all this stuff you're going through. And what was it like to write? Was it cathartic or was it, I don't even know how to ask these questions because I don't want to say something stupid because, you know, I've never talked to somebody who had been in combat before. Yeah, no, you're not, you couldn't possibly say anything that's, that, that's, it's it, it, just asking the question is, is so important. And um, to, I think t- for anybody that's been through trauma, you know, just to ask, you know, basic, you know, how are you or what was it like is, is such a, um, a powerful kind of question. I think we, we try to, you know, with the best of intentions, often we try to, you know, explain to somebody that's been through something, what it must've been like, you know, and, and, and we don't, we don't want to, to put them on the spot. And, and so I think, you know, if, if anybody out there is, has a veteran in their life that's been through some trauma or anybody that's, you know, been through something traumatic and you want to try to help, you know, I think just, just give them some space and ask, you know, ask what was it like, you know, and how, how do you feel? And, you know, and, and don't try to, to finish their, um, their sentences for them. It, you know, it's understandable that desire, but it's, it, uh, you know, just give them some, some space and, and respect, you know, what they, what they, you know, give you. And, you know, for me, it was writing about it was, um, it, you know, it brought, it, it was painful, it, but it was, it was, uh, it gave me a chance to, to do something with that pain. And, and that's, that's all we could ever hope for, you know, when we go through something like that is to find find that you know you can't I, I get a little frustrated when people say everything happens for a reason it's like you know like I don't know childhood you know leukemia like is that there a reason for that you know like I, I don't know about that I think it can be there's a place for it but it can be a little dismissive you know and and it's it's up to us to 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 find that reason to to rise above that that thing that has happened to us or is happening to us and and um you know it's 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 not um not something that needs to be kind of, you know, dismissed and, Oh, you know, it'll all make sense someday. It's like, no, like you need to, to, to find the, find your path through it. And, uh, you know, just dismissing it with the comment like that can, can end up kicking it down the road and end up, you know, coming out in, in unhealthy ways. And so, yeah, writing about it was, you know, it it gave me a lot of, uh, for all the, the sweat and the palm sweat and the, you know, kind of, you know, my heart would race when I would relive those, those times it also, you know, gave me a chance to reconnect with the guys who I went through it with, um, you know, because I, I really, this was a, um, a, 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 an undertaking that I took very seriously and I, I didn't want to get anything wrong. So I would just, I was calling my guys, my rec- the recon Marines that I served with constantly and just, Hey, you know, we were both kind of 
in that same that same firefight, like what was what it looked like for you? What did you see? You know, because you could be standing shoulder to shoulder with somebody and experiencing, you know, the same event, but but through different eyes. It, it's you know, you never know what somebody else saw or how they felt, you know, and so um, you know, it gave me a chance to to reconnect with those guys and see how they were doing and, and let them know that, you know, the story of not just Fred, but the story of Sangin, you know, was was gonna be told because no one was talking about about Sangin and they, they still, they still aren't. And that's okay. You know, it's, you know, we didn't do anything there for the, for the attention, but I I wanted them to know that, that, that fight um, would be, you know, would be on, on, on paper and people would know about it. Well, I'm so glad you did because I had never even heard of Sangin. So it shows that I'm not paying attention or they're not talking about it enough. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, not a, you know, a fun thing for us to, to discuss and um, you know, but the, I'm really proud of the, the work that we put in there. And, and, you know, I, I know Afghanistan obviously ended up, you know, very, um, very disappointing for Americans to, to kind of, you know, see how it, how it kind of, you know, ended there in 2021, but you know, the, the legacy for my Marines and I in, in Sangin is still strong because the area that we came into in October of 2010, when I left in the spring of 2011 was vastly different. You know, businesses had opened up, people had, you know, re- returned to their homes, kids were playing soccer in the streets, you know, like those were just things that you didn't see when we got there. And, um, you know, whether or not it lasted, it's not is is, um, you know, not, not something I can do anything about. And, uh, I'm just proud that of the time that we were there, we, we, we left it better than we found it. And that's all any of us can ever hope for about anywhere. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I should have started the show by thanking you for your service. Oh, I mean, it's, it's incredible. No, it really, it's, it's really incredible what you and, and the guys did. And I, I, you know, I loved reading about that. The thing you just mentioned about how things have had started to change and, and people were coming out of the woodwork and, and being able to play and, and have businesses. Oh, I was so moved by the bread maker. Yeah. The bread maker the, and the, the teacher, like people, the people of Afghanistan, the people of Sangin, um, you know, were and still are to me examples of the true nature of humanity uh you know people we we are we are hardwired as people to to help and to to prevent suffering of, of another person and there are some incredible examples of that from people from the people of saying and who you you might expect to treat us as you know invaders or, or you know or just as a nuisance and and to be completely um you know just disregard us you know from being there but they 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 did the opposite they stepped up and and would and prevented us from you know walking into to traps and things like that all the time and it was just they're uh they're a real a real reminder to me of of how people really really are you know at our oh yeah yeah you know we we touched a moment ago you were talking about trauma and i wanted to talk about that um, right now, I don't know if you know, there's a move. They're trying to change. And I say they. Um, there's a doctor named Dr. Uh, Lipoff, Eugene Lipoff, and yeah. he uh, pioneered this thing called stellate ganglion block for PTSI. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's pretty remarkable. And 
they're tr- they're saying that when you say PTSD, yeah, it's not a disorder. It's the, it's they've it's proven that it's actually an injury to the brain. And I'm not talking about just I'm not talking about TBI only. I'm talking about yeah. kids who have sexual abuse or trauma. Yeah. It changes the structure that's yeah. in your neck called your stellate ganglion, uh-huh. and it gets more reactive. And they have a shot now where they put some numbing in it, and it like resets your nervous system. And I know someone who had it, and they're doing tremendously well. I didn't mean to go off on Dr. Yeah. Leafpot, but he's oh, amazing. Have you heard of this? I've heard of this injection. Yeah. It's amazing from the people I've talked to. Yeah. And I just, I mean, it's, yeah, I just try to, I think the, for me, when I was writing the book, the disorder part was such a kind of, it just made me kind of my skin crawl a little bit. And injury is a much better word for it because yeah, it is these, these, these pathways that, that get opened up and, and, um, you know, and us and, and yeah, you need, you need a way to, to, you know, either sounds like with the shot, you can medically kind of deal with it or, or, you know, I, I've been, um, gosh, for the net, it's been like almost three years now. I, I, I speak to a, a therapist That's awesome. Um, month and, and it's, it's great. And it's like, you know, uh, I was saying to a friend recently, it was like, he was like, well, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's great. But like, you know, you don't stop going to the gym once you get in shape. You know, like I, I go, I talk to my guy every month and most of the time we're just catching up and, you know, and he, and he asks me, you know, have I had any, you know, reactivity or, you know, anything like that? And, and, you know, we go through something if I, if I have, and, you know, and I kind of talk about, you know, how I've been feeling, but it's, it, it, but it's just maintenance. It's just, you know, therapy and is, is really just organizing all these feelings that we have all the time that we are just, we're so good at, at pushing, pushing away. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to unlearn that. I'm trying to really, um, you know, own my own my thoughts and own my feelings and try to understand them instead of, you know, batting them away. Well, I was really glad in the book you were so candid. You say that you want to come home and just get right back to it. And you're like, I didn't lose a limb. I'm okay. Yeah, I had a TBI, but you, it took a long time for you to go, I'm not doing okay. Yeah. I, I do need help. And I think that is so important and it's so brave. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, um, I realized that, you know, the, 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 the example that I had, uh, you know, in my family and just from previous generations of veterans seemed to be, you know, you, you come home and you don't talk about it and nobody wants to hear about it and you're fine, you know, and everything's fine. And that was kind of the, the household I was raised in is similar to a lot of, a lot of American, you know, homes where it's, it's, you know, you, you're, everything's fine. You don't have anything to complain about. There are starving people in, you know, Somalia or, you know, like, you know, like finish your potatoes. And, and so, you know, it, it, uh, you know, that I took that, you know, even, you know, to really to heart coming home. Cause it was like, yeah, like I, I, I lost friends. I have, I know people who lost limbs, like, and then you think about previous generations of veterans, like in Vietnam, like what they dealt with world war two, Korean war, like what, what those, uh, you know, Marines dealt with. And it's like, what do I have to complain about? I came home, I got a great job right away. You know, I'm, I'm paying my bills like, uh, you know, and so that, but that really is so toxic because it turns on you even harder because then when you start to have those feelings, you know, and those, those, those anxieties and, and that pain, then you beat yourself up even more because it's like, Ugh, what is wrong with you? You may be like, you're so weak. Like you, your uncle came home from the battle of the bulge and and Uncle John was great, you know, but like you, but you, what you didn't see was, you know, the, the pain that that person, that uncle was dealing with, you know, when, when, you know, 
after Thanksgiving when everybody went home, you know, like you, right. We don't really know, you know? And, and so I realized through, uh, a lot of, you know, through writing and through just soul searching and, and really through Fred, uh, just dragging it out of me that the talking about it wasn't, wasn't, didn't make me weak. It made me strong And, and being vulnerable made took a lot more strength than it did to stuff this stuff down. And so I've really, you know, leaned into that hard with, with uh, my, my speaking events and with my second book, second chances. And, and I'm working on a a third book now. And I'm going to continue that, that kind of theme of vulnerability and strength and, and, um, and and yeah, but it's, it was, it was not an easy journey. I, I was very, very stubborn, very self-sabotaging um, with, you know, substances and relationships that, you know, were bringing out the worst in me. And, and it took, it took Fred. Um, and then, you know, ultimately my, my, my amazing wife, Nora really to, to pull me, to pull me out of it, but I wouldn't have Nora if I didn't have Fred. Cause we, we met, we met through our dogs and uh, you know, so it, Fred has just been just holding on to Fred's leash and following him, you know, has, has, he's lifted me out of, out of some really dark, dark times. Yeah. And you mentioned in the book that you and Fred have similar triggers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. How is he doing? He's great. He's uh, in the sun, sleeping on the porch. Right the best. We've had a, we've had a really, uh, uh, really scary uh, summer. Uh, he was, he battled. Um, and is still still battling uh, mel- oral melanoma. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, it it uh, we're so lucky. It, it's gonna, you know, we were on our way to Alaska. That was my a, a dream of mine for a long time was to take Fred on an epic road trip to Alaska. And um, we got we had speaking events lined up across the country as far west as Utah. And and uh, after Utah, we went to our friends. Joe Murdy, actually, who people will read about in the book. We went to his house in Denver, Colorado, and we were kind of assessing, you know, what, um, you know, could we make the trip? You know, how was everybody doing? Like, let's, you know, let's really look at logistically um, everything and, and make sure, you know, before we take this on, like, is this the right thing to do? And and we had noticed Fred was discomfort. He had some discomfort in his mouth. Whenever you would pet his cheek, he would kind of wince or kind of growl. And, and so, you know, we were talking to our, our veterinarian friend who, you know, we kind of lean on a lot for stuff like this. And she said, you just have to get a look in there, which is, <laughs> might've been easier to, to floss a, an alligator's molars. <laughs> the, feral, the feral Fred kind of comes out when he's in pain and, and he's very much kind of enjoys having dominion over his own body. Like if there's something wrong with him, he, he won't let you do it. About it. it it's 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 fascinating and uh so i got you know my joe gave him a little bear hug and i i got a quick look in his mouth and long story short that that discomfort um ended up being just a little nick in his cheek that um that was unrelated but i saw some swelling so we took him to uh, some swelling along his gum line so we took him into a vet in in denver and they said, like, all his teeth are fine. He doesn't have a broken tooth. Like, th- this is a little cut on his cheek. But that swelling is a tumor. And we got to figure out what it is. And mm-hmm. so it, we put the brakes on the whole, on everything, obviously. Right. We ended up, um, it ended up being 
cancer and um, we weren't sure what kind, but that, that's, you know, we didn't need to wait around to figure out what kind it was. We started heading back east and uh, we found out it was a really aggressive form of oral melanoma. And we are so lucky that we have the Animal Medical Center in New York City that we can lean on. And, and they, they made room for Fred for these appointments. And we, he's had three surgeries, one to remove the cancer and then it took two to really get his mouth to close up and heal. Um, and he's just been so tough and so strong. Wow. And it's been a wild, wild summer um, fighting for Fred's for Fred's life. And um, But he is, you look at him now and, and you wouldn't really even know that anything had happened to him. Like just like four weeks ago, like we, he was in a huge cone, really medicated. You know, just we had to hand feed him all summer. And, but he's he's back to... Back to his wild boy way, chasing chipmunks around the yard. And, and I'm just so, so grateful that uh, we caught it early. And now Nora and I are just the biggest advocates for, you know, just like looking in your pet's mouth. Oral melanoma is so sneaky. And, and we would have had no idea. We would have met, we would have been on our way to Alaska. This thing would have been growing in the back of his mouth. We, and he, because he had no symptoms. He's eating energy through the roof, like happy fine and it wouldn't it, by the time we had it had gotten big enough for us to notice it visually it would have been too late it would have metastasized and it would have been all over his body so we, we are so so lucky that we he had that little cut in his cheek and it, it drew our attention to it um oh my, God. my goodness yeah it's um so now we just tell everybody you know uh get a look in your pet's mouth regularly and especially when they, when they, you know, when they get a little older, cause it's just the, with age comes the a higher risk of it. So. Okay. How old is Fred now? He's 13 pushing 14. Now we think. Wow. Yeah. I can never get a straight answer out of him on that one. <laughs> Fred, come on. Don't be shy. Tell us your age. Yeah. He's not, I, I think he was, you know, eight, eight to 10 months old when I, when we came across him in October of 2010. So yeah, that puts him at like 13 plus now. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. One of the things um, I, I picked up on, so in my second book, I, ta- I, I embedded myself in a in a maximum security prison in Maine with some of the men who were training dogs to be service dogs. And oh, I love that. In the early stages of their training, one of the first things they do is they call it body handling. And it's just like poking the dog in the paws in its mouth, like just like rubbing it all, like all of its, you know, areas that a dog kind of maybe instinctually would want to protect, like just breaking those down. And so that like, you know, that Fred, I didn't have that option with, you know, he was, (laughs) yeah, he was different. Yeah. He was self-licking ice cream cone from, from day one, but, um, you know, but that's, that is something I, I would definitely encourage people with, with, um, with their pets, with their, especially if you get them young, like just start, just start that early. So, you can, you know, make that part of a, of a routine. And, and if something pops up on them, you'll know, you know, cause you just looked in the day before. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. There is so much we still need to get to. So I want to talk about, and again, I want people to get the book. So, so I'm not giving a lot away, but right, right. I love to talk about mental health. So I really wanted to focus on that. Please. And the fact that you had to hide, I want people to read the story unless you want to share it, but the work you had to do and the stress you were under to get Fred out, holy cow, <laughs> yeah. such love and devotion. 
And I was just, you know, I'm on the edge of my seat. I mean, even though I know he's out, right, it's still right. like, you're still like, oh my God, is he going to, yeah, duh, he's going to make it. But yeah. it's still, <laughs> you wrote it so well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was, that was one of the more challenging and fun, you know, things about it was, yeah, he's going to be on the cover. Like people are going to know. We made it up. How do we build tension, you know? And, so, and it, it, it wasn't, it actually wasn't hard because no (laughs) like that was those moments were so so scary you know and 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 and, you know there were times when I I was so you know unsure about how we were gonna you know you know get him from you know one phase to the next on this journey home and um it's again it's just such a a testament to to people um dogs you know bring out the best in us. And Fred did that in on every step of his journey. Uh, people who, some of them never just heard about Fred, you know, and, and, and huge ways to help me hide him, help me get uh, the paperwork, help me get, you know, this or that, like just, uh, you know, just amazing things. And, and meanwhile, just uh, like a stray Fred hair on my uniform could have unraveled the whole thing, you know, or like just, the, a rumor about oh, Grossi's you know hiding a dog somewhere. You know that some suspicious first sergeant you know could have heard about. You know could have unraveled the whole thing. So it's just uh, amazing. It could have gone wrong a hundred different ways at any moment. And the fact that that it didn't is uh, <laughs> that was the I think if I'm honest, like that realizing that it took me a while to realize that. Um, I, I, I I when I came home, I didn't really appreciate my own that own, my own story because uh, I was pushing it down and every time somebody would ask me what kind of dog Fred is I, I would I would bat that question away because it was loaded it was like well I'd have to talk about Afghanistan and I don't want to do that and it wasn't until the first time somebody somebody asked me without following it up with an assumption right so th- that's what I mean when I say you know we're trying to communicate with somebody who's been through something like let's like try to leave the assumptions off and try to like not finish their sentences for them. Somebody just asked me what kind of dog is that? And I was waiting for the, it looks like a Corgi. And then that would give me the chance to be like, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, and walk away. But this person asked what kind of dog is Fred? And then it was just this like silence kind of hung in the air. And I was like, uh, well, and I launched into the whole story and Walking home, it turns out that I'm still friends with with this person, and, and uh, she was a guest on our on our podcast. And um, her name is Jess. It turns out she's a therapist, so it makes sense that she oh. ask a proper question and, and and really and really listen. Um, and so I, I just was walking Fred home, you know, from after that first time, really telling the story to to a stranger, and I just I realized, you know, like wow, like this um, this could have gone wrong so many different ways. For me, you know, and for Fred, and I, you know, I think the reason that it didn't, or at least what I will, you know, will choose to be the reason that it didn't is, is so that we could tell this story. And, right. and it really started to become, uh, it started to transition from this thing that I felt like would be, you know, vain or, you know, you know, um, kind of selfish, you know, to, to talk about myself. Um, it started to turn into this thing like, no, like this is, this is your duty. Like this, this didn't happen to you for no reason. Like there's a, there's a, there's a reason here. And, and if you choose to, you know, to embrace it, you can really, 
you know, help a lot of people. And, and once I started to realize, to realize that it was bigger than me, it, it, it became a lot easier to, to lean into it and to be vulnerable, you know, which is something that people like you, like you've said, Lisa, like you really responded to how, how honest and vulnerable my, my writing is. And that's, that's the best compliment that I can, I can receive, you know, thank, so thank you. Oh, gosh. No, I mean, it's true. And, and I was also really taken with your dad mm-hmm. taking Fred when you were still in Afghanistan yeah. and, and, and the, you know, the bond that they got. Oh, yeah. And so he got to have a dog. Yeah. Kind of, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My dad grew up, with, my dad grew up with dogs and, um, you know, it's, it was, it was just, it's just so poetic that, uh, you know, he was the one that was blocking me, my, you know, my whole childhood from getting a dog. And, and cause he, it was the classic kind of dad response. Oh, if you get a dog, I'm going to have to take care of it. I'm going to end up everything. And he wasn't probably wasn't wrong, but you know, it, but it ended, up, it ended up working out that way anyway, you know, and your sister, Sarah's amazing. My sister and my dad, they stepped up and, and, uh, I just loved, I love the, that I wasn't there, but I felt like I was, you know, the moments in the, in at JFK when they showed up to customs and, and, uh, you know, we're there to, to meet Fred and, and that car ride back, um, you know, to, to Virginia from, from New York. And it's just such a, such a fun, fun, um, kind of way to, to kind of, you know, just end the, the initial journey of Fred, you know, from Afghanistan to America to, to have him in the back of my dad's, my dad's forerunner, you know, just like, just to him and my sister kind of quietly in the car, like what? Hello, Fred. <laughs> that is so funny. Well, speaking of cars, we didn't talk much about your travels. And I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed that part of the book. It's like, the book is so flipping amazing. Oh, it's like, do I talk about this? I mean, I literally have so many notes in front of me and I'm like, holy crap, I didn't get to very much. But I do, before I let you go, I did want to mention, I really enjoyed the story about when you went to the the blues bar and- yeah. You met the guy who owned it and Josh was wearing shorts and he has a prosthetic leg and he's like, oh, my brother has a prosthetic leg. He won't wear shorts. And you guys are like, well, get him down here. And then Josh talked to him and you guys stayed for hours and it really helped him. And you have so many beautiful moments along the journey. So people, again, there's yet a a billionth reason to get the book. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was such a fun, a fun night. Um, You know, that Yeah. yeah, it was like Josh and I just kind of looking for something again, just looking for something real, you know, and, and we, and, um, and it was so cool to see Josh connect with, with, um, with that man and, and, uh, open up his, his world a little bit. And, um, I think it was great for Josh to, to talk about, you know, his day to day with living with a, with a prosthetic and, um, with somebody else. And it was, yeah, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun to, to experience and then to, to share, to share with, I'm so glad that you liked that part. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. And I also loved how Josh was really pushing himself. I mean, you guys were climbing mountains. I mean, you were doing all kinds of exciting outdoor things. And again, I don't want to give too much away, but there was a point where you were giving him advice that you needed to take yourself. Absolutely. And that was powerful too. Yeah. Yeah. That was that, that point in my life. That's, I was good about that. I was good about, you know, uh, about giving advice to like t- telling people, you know, Oh, this is how you do it. Or this is, how, you know, but I wasn't listening enough to right. myself, you know, and, and that, that was one of the things in the writing process that I, uh, I kind of realized, you know, and, and, and I, I'm proud to, to, you know, kind of share that, that, that part of me that, you know, it just was like, I think I was so, so worried about Josh and, and really wanted him to, continue to push himself after 
the trip. Um, but what, you know, that wasn't, that's not my, that wasn't my call to make. I really, I really did need to, to think about, you know, the, the next chapter for myself and not be so right. wrapped up in, in Josh. He, he, he kind of almost kind of became a crutch for me, you know, just thinking about Josh, um, you know, and, and so I, I needed to kind of, to kind of focus on, on myself. Josh has done great things um, with his life and he's continuing to, and he's doing really well. We, we, we stay in touch and um, yeah, but that, that whole road, the whole road trip part of, of the book uh, was a lot of fun to write. And it's, you know, just our country is so, so beautiful and, and has so much public land and protected land. And um, that is, is wide open for us to go and experience and explore. And it's, um, you know, we, we need to, to take those opportunities when we have them. Yeah, it's so good that you were able to do that at this time. And I know that when you got home, and I'll wrap up soon. <laughs> I don't want to let you go. I know when you got home, there was a little adjustment with you and Fred. Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, he he um, was still a, a wild man, you know, and, and still had a, he had a lot of energy and is a very, still a very independent dog. You know, like it's, he'll come when I call him now, but it's, it's always with a little attitude, you know, like it, and it, most of the time it takes me running into the, you know, whatever bush or, you know, tree line <laughs> is actually in and like yep. getting his attention and be like, Hey man, like, let's come on. You know, it's not like I can stand on the porch and be like, Fred, you know, and like he was running, like, it's just, that's not who he is. And I love that about him. But, uh, it was for, you know, from a dog owner standpoint, he was a very, challenging first time dog to, to get. Um, and so, yeah, there was there, you know, and then I had a job I had to, I had to go to work, you know, every day. And, um, you know, so finding time to, to really connect with him and, and get him the exercise he needed, you know, was a challenge, but yeah, it was, it was in, you know, we were both adjusting to, to this, this place, you know, that, that we, you know, we were going to live together and, and, uh, it was, a, it was definitely a challenge. Well, was there anything that you wanted to add today? And of course I want to get all your social media and all the ways yeah. people can find you, but if there's anything else and I'm, su I'm hoping you'll come back to talk about second chances. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Oh, good. I need to read it. I got a couple other side gigs this summer and I'm like, I, I, we're, I gotta read, but I, I'd listen to your book and, oh, your first book and that we're talking about today, of yeah. course, Craig and Fred and Marine, a stray dog and how they rescued each other. And I can't wait to have you back to talk about second chances, a Marine, his dog and finding redemption. But in the meantime, was there anything you wanted to add today? Yeah, no, I just, um, yeah. If, if you want to connect with us, we're, you know, and you can find, find our social media pages just by typing in Fred, the Afghan, uh, we're at, at Fred, the Afghan on Instagram and Facebook and, and, uh, and, we have my wife Nora and I have started a podcast that's uh, been so much fun to to really dive into the this idea of stubborn positivity that we talk about. Nice. That's what I've attributed to to Fred. You know, this is kind of his his message to me, and 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 now through our our books and through our our speaking events and the podcast, the idea of stubborn positivity is is rooted in the first moments that Fred and I spent together when I approached him and he was covered in those bugs and he was this loner dog and on a really unfriendly environment. And he had no reason to wag his tail at me. He had no reason to, to open himself up 
to connecting with me, but he, he did, he chose to, he chose to wag his tail. And, and despite all of that, and that has made all the difference in, in his life, you know, that has, that has led him on this, on this journey that he's on to, you know, to living a life of peace and, and, and comfort. And, um, and, the, and that became a message to me when I came home and I felt like a victim and, and, and in many ways I was, I felt like I, I live in that I could live in that you know victimhood and not ever you know face anything and 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 not make any changes to you know myself and, and kind of be comfortable in that that anger and that that um, that that space and Fred became an example to me of of you know like those moments when you feel like that when you feel cornered when you feel like, you know you have no reason to that those are the times in our lives when it's most important to find a reason to wag your tail, even if it's just air in your lungs and the blood in your veins, like that, like that can be enough to be, to find some gratitude and, 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 you know, and move a little bit forward and move towards your, instead of avoiding them. And, and so the, the podcast is, um, you know, it's, it's my wife and I and, and Nora and I, and she's, she's amazing. She keeps the whole thing on the, on the rails. And, and, uh, and we just have some amazing guests that come on and, and we always ask people their, their stubbornly positive moment, a moment in their life when they chose to wag their tail, you know, and we've just had, we had 12 episodes that went by so, so fast and, and, uh, and we're working on, on getting up for the next, the next 12. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's called the stubborn, uh, stubbornly positive podcast. You can oh, I can't wait to listen anywhere you get your podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we have my, our, one of our first guests is my dad and that was a lot of fun. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, there's some characters from the book, you know, that, that will, that come on and, um, and we're going to have more, more, uh, more coming. So yeah, we're, we're, we're easy to find and, and, uh, we're so, so proud of, of the support that we we've gotten over the years um, through Fred and, and through everything that we, we do with him. And, and you're, you're now a, a part of that too, Lisa. So thank you. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. It's oh, it's it's been, it's really fun to, to connect and to share. And it's, it never talking about Fred never gets old. So I, I could go another, <laughs> another three hours if you want. Woo-hoo! Well, I can't wait to read your next book. Have you on in the fall. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I did want to mention that, uh, so on dog-eared, you might see a bunch of health shows and be like, what's going on? So I put my health power podcast that I've been doing for 10 years, used to be called Naturally Savvy, and dog-eared on the same platform to bring awareness to both. So on July 18th, it's episode 1216, Stellate Ganglion Block, aka the magic shot for PTSD, anxiety, and depression. I just want to bring that to people's attention because it's something that Honestly, I mean, just look at the research, look at the people doing it, look at the people who've had it done. It's 80 to 90% effective. I know someone who had it for anxiety, not related to PTSD. And for that, they say it'll lessen your anxiety by 50%. Totally worked. It literally is a 15 minute procedure. It was insane. But I just want to throw that out there for anybody who has any sort of trauma, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, irritability, hypervigilance. Just look, it's just something I have, I'm not, I'm not paid for to say this. I, I truly believe in from what I've seen. And uh, it's just nice to have another tool out there. It's not a, a cure all, but it definitely puts people on the path to heal. Yeah. And anything that does that is incredible. So if people want to check that out and I'm just so happy you came on that 10 oh. minutes in 2017 wasn't enough. Yeah, no way. Yeah. 
Yeah, we could, we could do 10 hours, no problem. Right, absolutely. Well, people, if you want to find me, I'm on social media, at Lisa Davis MPH on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And be sure to check out all the Health Power and Dog-Eared shows. There's like 730-something of them. So everybody keep coming back. Yeah, and please definitely get Craig's fantastic books. All right, everyone have a great day. Thanks so much.